0: Thank you. That's nice. (laughs) Um, If you missed Doug's introduction, I'm one of the students at NCST, the seminary here, and this is my first opportunity to preach, so I'm very pleased um, to be sharing this message with you. So I'm going to be actually teaching from Romans 5, and I think this is actually one of the most hopeful sections that I've ever read in all of Scripture. Um, there's There's a message here specifically for every Christian, something that you can be confident in, and I want to share that with you this morning. So, listen please as I read uh, Romans 5, 1-5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So before we get started here, let me just pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Um, thank you for allowing me to teach, and thank you for bringing us all together here to learn and for edification, Lord. I pray that you'd help me to speak accurately and um, that you'd impact your people and help us to see the hope that we have through you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, I would hate to jump into Romans right in the middle, without talking a little bit about what happened in the previous chapters. Um, I think they'd be a little confusing for everybody. So, we're going to start actually by summarizing the first three chapters. There's nothing crazy here. We'll we'll be pretty quick. But, um, right from the beginning, uh, the argument that Paul is making is that um, we're all guilty. Chapter 1, he's talking about the Gentiles. He says um, that the Gentiles have, even though they don't have the law they have rejected God. They've denied him. Uh, Paul even uses the word evident. He says that God is evident to him. His power is evident. His authority is evident. And he says that instead of being thankful and bending the knee to God, what the Gentiles have done is they've denied him and they've gone further and further into their sin. Paul says that the, uh, the Gentiles are under judgment and that they deserve it. Chapter two, we see the same kind of story here, but it's for the Jews. Um, Paul doesn't let them off easy either. He says, you people, you have the law, but you're judging the Gentiles for not keeping it when you yourselves don't even keep it. He actually says here, you who judge practice the same things. Whatever sin the Gentiles are in, you Jews are in the same sin, and you have the law, so you're condemned too. Uh, that's kind of uh, bad news for us here, which is really the message of the first few chapters here. Jews and Gentiles, the bad news here is that those two groups comprise all of humanity. Uh, that's, that's all of us. We are all under condemnation initially. We are all sinners and deserving of God's wrath. That's, that's the backdrop of this whole message. Both groups are guilty. And then coming into chapter 5 here, we see our hope. Paul says, therefore, having been justified by faith. We were once hostile to God. We, we hated him. We were all in Romans 1. Um, none of us came out of the womb, uh, grew up and said, hey, you know, actually, I do love God. I've never sinned and uh, I don't intend to because God's a great guy. So I'm just going to go ahead and roll with that. We were all in defiance from the very beginning, and we continued in defiance until his work. And here he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we have our peace. Uh, If you've ever tried to make peace with somebody, usually there's a few things you can do. Um, Maybe in my own case, I would try to maybe end hostilities briefly, try to have some kind of conversation with them. Maybe, uh, maybe negotiate a little bit. Kind of give a little, take a little, and maybe have some kind of meeting in the middle, a compromise. That's something that we can do with each other. So why can't we do that with God? Why is there no negotiation? Why isn't there anything we can do? Why can't we pay this off? Well, it's kind of like a student loan. You're taking out a debt, and you don't know that you can actually repay it. We took out a debt against God in our sin, and we actually can't pay it back. We don't have anything to give to God. See, the baseline, the, the lowest level of expectation is perfection. That's just what we owe him to begin with. And every time we fail, we incur that debt. Every time we fail, we add more and more and more. There's no paying it back. We don't, there's nothing that we can give him. And that's why it's so essential that Christ brought peace. That he made us at peace with God. Because he's the only one that hasn't incurred a debt. He's the only one that could then pay on our behalf. So this really is the heart of the gospel right here. And Paul continues. He says that faith is our introduction. Paul says of Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Think about it. It's kind of like meeting a new person. Um, if you go to a party or meeting new people, you don't know who any of these people are. You have a friend, and he introduces you to this new person. You didn't know who they were. You didn't know that they existed. You had no concept of them, really. But now we've been introduced. And it's by faith that we are introduced and know the grace of God. We have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. And it's this grace in which we stand. I find this to be one of the most interesting parts of this chapter here because we stand in his grace. Earlier in chapter one, we saw Paul talking about the Gentiles standing in defiance, standing in their own will and arrogance against God. Chapter two, we saw the Jews standing in their own righteousness. Well, we know how that worked out for both of them. It's not a great story. That's why the good news is good news. But what we stand in is the grace of God. We stand in the grace of God, not in our own strength, not in our own righteousness. And we exult, listen here, we, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God I think um, exalt here is a really interesting word. Uh, Exalt means to feel or show triumphant elation. I think that really captures how we should think about and feel about the glory of God. But it's a lot more than just that. Uh, The same word that's translated exalt could also be boast. We boast in this hope. It's the exact same message as before. We don't boast in our own strength. We don't boast in our own righteousness. What we boast in is our hope. This is the hope of the glory of God that we boast in. That's something that we can almost brag about. I can't brag about myself, I can't brag about my own strength, but God has done a work, and that's something that we need to brag about. That's something that we need to tell the world about. Our hope. But what is hope then? That's the real question here. So we're we're boasting in this hope. I hope, personally, for a lot of things. Um, At work, I hope for a raise. I hope that the stock market will rise because that'd be really helpful right about now. Um, When I go to the cafeteria at work, I hope that they have those little watermelon cubes. (laughs) They're delicious. I sincerely hope that they have those there. Is that what hope is? Is is that what Paul is telling us? We kind of hope in the glory of God? No, this, this is an expectation. This exact word, translated as hope, captures way more than what we think of as hope. When we say the word hope, we think of a wishful desire. Uh, Kind of, I hope this pans out. It's not confident. Kind of intrinsic to the statement is, it might not happen. No. Our expectation is more like, when I wake up in the morning, I expect the sun to rise. In fact, I, I really don't have any doubt about that. I don't um, go go to bed at night thinking, oh boy, oh, I hope it rises. You know, just sit there praying, God, please let the sun rise, please let the sun rise. We don't even think about it, actually. We're just so confident that the sun will rise. But also think about it, how much bigger of a deal is that? If the sun didn't rise, if the sun were snuffed out, what would that do to us? I mean, even from kind of a, um, a, a low-level thing, it'd get cold, we couldn't see where we were going. But even worse than that, every system on our planet relies on the sun. The entire food chain would collapse. You know, we can't have burgers if the cows don't eat grass, right? <laughs> we would all... Okay we would probably freeze first, but we'd all certainly starve, too. <laughs> this is not a good scenario, but none of you have ever said, gee, I sure hope the sun rises tomorrow. You expect that it will. You're confident in that expectation. You just know that it will. There's no question there. That's the kind of expectation that Paul is talking about here. And it's not just that we expect the sun will rise because you know, we've studied astronomy, you know, we've got a little physics under our belt. We know how these things work, you see. That's not why we are confident. But God has promised, he's promised us the sun will continue to rise until his sun returns. We know that these systems will be kept in place and that's his promise. We're confident in his promises. Our expectation is founded in the promises of God. So we persevere in the trials that are set before us because we have this expectation, we know. And this is interesting here. We, uh, we persevere in our trials and in verse three, Paul tells us um, that we exult. We exult in our tribulations. Now, remember, this is the same word, exult. This is boast. We boast in our tribulations. Doesn't that just sound bizarre? I personally don't boast in my tribulations. I wouldn't like to say that I boast in general, but if I were to boast, it certainly wouldn't be in my tribulations. Maybe it's that my car is really fast, or you know, or whatever it may be. It certainly wouldn't be in tribulations. That's just not a very American thing to say. I mean, we boast in our power, in our military, in our economy. We just had the 4th of July, we boast in a lot of things. America's awesome, right? But our tribulations? Well, Paul gives us a reason for that. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. We boast in our tribulations not because we enjoy suffering. This isn't saying that you really just need to enjoy getting knocked down. That's what you need. That's not what it's saying. It's saying we boast in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. So when I was was in high school... I ran cross country. Now, this isn't because I was a stellar runner or because I just loved the great outdoors. Um, I was a lazy teenager and this seemed like the easiest way to get a P.E. credit with the least amount of work. (laughs) So, um, if you are considering that, that's actually not true, it's awful. (laughs) Yeah, it's not worth it. But, what I did do is I ran. And I ran and I ran. I ran up to the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo and then I ran back down. Um, we did dexterity drills, we did speed drills, we did endurance drills, we did strength drills. Uh, I, I tripped more times than I can think, twisting my legs into some contortion to get through some goofy thing they'd set up. It just looks like you're just running, but there's really a lot more to it. Why did I suffer through all those things? What was the purpose? I mean. My shins felt like they were consistently going to splinter into a 1,000 pieces, and my ankles and knees still hurt. Like, right now, they still hurt. (laughs) What was the purpose of that? I suffered through my training so that I could finish the race. I needed my endurance to run the race. And as we look on here, we see Paul says that perseverance brings about proven character. Again, same thing. Would I be proven as a cross-country runner if, at the starting line, I waited for the gun, ran 100 feet, tripped, and fell, and then walked away? Does that make me a cross-country runner? That makes me terrible, a failure, a loser, but it does not make me a cross-country runner. If the goal is to be a cross-country runner and I quit, I have not been proven. Proven character comes when I finish the race and I finish it again. I finished every race. I can say with confidence, I ran cross-country. I was a cross-country runner. That was my status. And no one can question it. No one can say, you know, you didn't run those. yes, I did. I know, I felt it. Excuse me. Now, this proven character, proven character isn't the end goal. This proven character, Paul says, he doesn't say uh, produces, but it has got a comma there. Proven character produces hope. And this hope is really what I want to talk to you about uh, today here. But this proven character produces hope. If I as a cross-country runner, ran and completed my race. Well, that proves that I'm a cross-country runner. That proof tells me, hey, I can actually, I can complete a race, I can run this. I am more confident in my abilities. I ran a lot of races. I didn't like any of them, but I ran and completed all of them. I knew that I could finish the race. I might be able to finish one today. But then I knew I had confidence because my proven character had produced this hope. Remember, this hope isn't that wishful desire, it's an expectation. I expect that when I start the race, I'll finish it. There's just no question. That's what I am. Our success, and the power of the spirit that God has given us, confirms our expectation. As you succeed, you grow stronger in your expectation. And as we see here, Paul says that this expectation, it does not disappoint. And the same word disappoint could also be uh, embarrassed or some versions uh, versions translated as shame. This expectation, you can be confident, and when you reach the end, it won't shame you for having held it, for having believed it. If I had believed, or I should say, if I expected to finish a cross-country race, and I ran it, and gave up 100 feet in, that'd be pretty embarrassing. I'd feel a little bit of shame there, Be be embarrassed. But this hope does not disappoint. I was confident, I had my expectation, and I finished the race. Now, there was this one time, not in cross-country, don't worry. I'm proven there. (laughs) Um, At a a tech job I worked at, we had a table tennis table uh, in the break area. Now, some of you call that ping-pong. You're wrong. It's table tennis, we're professionals here. Um, but we had a table tennis table there, and we ended up playing a lot of table tennis. Um, that's just how these tech startups work, you know. You just play table tennis all the time. So we played a lot of table tennis, and I started getting pretty decent at it. Uh, I started beating my coworkers. I was I was feeling pretty confident, honestly. Um, tricking them with all kinds of goofy shots. It really wasn't a big deal. There was this one guy though. His name was Bob. Actually, I didn't make that up. His name was Bob, and he um, he was really really good. He would just mess around the entire game and just beat people. But I figured something out, and I had confidence. out of this expectation that what I figured out was actually good enough to surprise Bob. I'd catch him off guard. So I challenged him to a game with the full expectation of trouncing him with my newfound strategy. So we start playing, and I score the first point, naturally. It wasn't even an issue. Totally caught him off guard. The problem is that Bob was actually a lot better than I thought. Um, and he kind of figured it out pretty quickly. And things went downhill pretty rapidly. Um, we ended that match 21 to 1. <laughs> in Bob's favor. <laughs> so, yeah, that first, uh, that first one built up a little extra confidence and then it, he, just, he just crushed it. How do you think I was feeling in that moment? Do you think I was really vindicated? I was proven? I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. No, that that was an expectation that disappointed. And that's just such a small thing, that kind of expectation. So if you hope in anything of this world, it will disappoint you. If you hope in your own strength, it will disappoint you if you hope in your own righteousness, it will disappoint you. If you hope in anything of this world, it will disappoint you. So I want to spend a little time telling you about my Aunt Sue. Um, some of you may be aware that um, this last month she actually passed away. Um, sometime last year, she was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And um, I looked it up, I had to see what is this, how bad is this really? Um, and it, it was bad, it was, it was fairly certain. So, Sue tells us that um, she's going to fight as long as she can and she's going to be around as long as she can, but at the same time, she started to get her affairs uh, in order. Um, she told us what she wanted us to do for her funeral what she wanted us to do with her assets, the gifts she wanted us to give um, to her church out in Falcon, to various organizations. Even more than that, she actually left a binder for us with step-by-step instructions. Contact this person, contact that person, open this, close that. Um, she, She did everything for us in that regard. But she left a legacy that was much greater than any of those things. You see, as Aunt Sue was passing in this time, she spent all of her time that she wasn't helping us on Zoom calls with friends, with families. Remember, this is in the middle of COVID. We couldn't visit her. So she's there on Zoom calls, talking to every single person she knew not with the intent of garnering some kind of sympathy, but because she loved them, and she wanted to encourage them. She recognized this was, this was gonna be harder for everyone else than it was for her, and she loved us, she loved her neighbor. She loved, she loved everyone. The, the love of Christ was clearly showed through the way she conducted herself before her passing. There was no question. Now, my brother Michael, he, um, when he heard the news, he was initially very hopeful. He loved his family more than anything. The only thing he wanted in this life was for us to all be together and happy and just really on the same page as a family. That's the only thing that mattered. You see, after, after my mother's death, my aunt came out from California to care for all of us. She was the pillar of our family, and, and Michael was committed to, to keeping her alive. So he tried everything he could. Like I said, at the beginning, he was really hopeful. Um, he took her to her appointments, Uh, He waited while they were doing her chemo and all all kinds of things like that on and on until finally, because of COVID, um, he couldn't anymore. We finally got the message one day that Aunt Sue's health had declined to the point where they were going to put her into hospice. Now, my brother Michael, his hope was dissolving before him. Aunt Sue was the pillar of our family, and he was afraid that once she was gone, we would all scatter again. So, um, on the day that we got the news that she was going into hospice and that it wasn't looking good, when I took him back home, uh, he had taken his own life. His hope was in his family. Family's good. Family is really good. But family isn't good enough. If you put your hope in anything of this world, it will disappoint you. But if you're a believer in Christ, you have a hope that will never disappoint you. It will never failure you have an expectation of the glory of God not just in witnessing it but in partaking of it participating in it it's a sure thing you have this hope as a christian but if you don't have this hope if you don't know the expectation of the glory of Christ of the glory of God and you need to talk to us, talk to me, talk to the elders, talk to anyone here, we would love to share with you what it's like to expect in something like that, to expect in the glory of God, because anything else will fail you. So, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. And thank you for this expectation that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for bringing us into it through your Son, for allowing us to stand in your grace, not in our strength, not in our righteousness, but in yours, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to remember this expectation every day, help us to look forward to your glory, to the realization here on earth, Lord. I pray that you'd lead us and that you'd guide us in that. Your say I pray. Amen.